You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I am so happy you are joining us today. This is such a beautiful conversation with my friend Sam. This was actually recorded before quarantine, so it is a few months old. We did this together in LA and I'm really grateful I was able to be in her energy and that we got it done before all of this madness. Sam is such an incredible person and I really want you to feel into everything that she talks about in this episode as we talk about what it's like to receive love and allow pleasure in our lives and how our childhood trauma impacts us as adults. Understanding and having awareness around death and really living each day as it's your last and what it was like for her with a Catholic upbringing, not allowed to have sexual pleasure and taking should out of your vocabulary, reducing the guilt you feel by being alive and the evolution of identities. We get so deeply into so many things in this episode, and I'm just really grateful for her willingness to go there across the board. We had never met in person. I once again stalked her on Instagram and asked her to come on my show. I just loved everything that she is about. So this is a wonderful, expanding, heart-opening conversation with Sam Stinson. And I really hope that you guys enjoy this. Before we get into this, though, I want to tell you about an episode on the realness with my one and only Connor Moore. He had our friend Steph Safondos on the show a little bit ago, and they talked about sexuality. And they really get into maintaining a healthy relationship with your sexuality and what it's like being trapped in your house with your partner and how to navigate the dynamic and keep things yummy and hot and also being just connected to your own body. I cannot recommend this show enough. It's one of the best shows that he has ever done. People absolutely love it. And I really wanted to make sure that I shared it with all of you because I think that not only for you, but for your partner as well, this could be a really profound opening conversation to listen to. So I will make sure that link to that episode is in the show notes and be sure to check out The Realness with my better half, Connor Moore. All right, here is Sam. So I want to get into this living in a life of pleasure, because that's something I'm super passionate about as well. I think I didn't understand what pleasure even was or how to attain it or how to allow for it in my life. And I would love for you to explain what a life of pleasure means to you. Well, I actually grew up with like a similar struggle, not understanding pleasure. I grew up super Catholic Mm. in my family. So, um, especially sexual pleasure was like very much a no-no. Um, not only was it avoided as a topic, but when it was brought up, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that pleasure was also limited in other areas, but that one was very much highlighted as being the no-no. Um, for me, living a life of pleasure... <laughs> Honestly, my little, my inner child runs the show when it comes to pleasure. I'm just like, 
when I get in a space where I'm not in pleasure, it's generally because I'm getting too heady. I'm like thinking too much about the way things should be. And a lot of times it comes down to expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, what I should be doing, what it should look like, what it should taste like, what it should feel like. And when I'm living a life of pleasure, I'm like, what do I actually authentically feel like doing right now? What do I want to do with my day? What do I want to eat? How do I want to spend my time? Who do I want to talk to? Do I want to talk to anyone? And authentically sitting with that. Um, and a lot of it's spontaneous. I am very privileged and fortunate to have the open schedule that allows me to roll with that much freedom five days a week that are mine to fill as I wish. Um, but I have that and I've designed my life that way so that I have space to create and to make my life the way I want to, because that so charges me up. Like that is so deeply nourishing and pleasurable to me. So if I wake up and I'm like, Okay, my new ritual, something I really love doing. I'm really into coffee at this point in my life. Like it's so fucking good. (laughs) And I'm finally found out I'm not lactose intolerant anymore. Praise be. Yeah, been lactose intolerant for like 10 years. And I decided to do a blood panel and they're like, you're not allergic to anything anymore. And I was allergic to everything. Couldn't eat gluten. Like, well, I didn't eat meat and I don't eat meat again. But I was like, cool. So I'm really enjoying coffee with milk in it that's really the only time I have milk that's pleasure mm. goat milk is pleasure so is butter oh I love butter so much so good mm-hmm. so I love to wake up I've been waking up early because I just got back from Costa Rica and um I was waking up with the sun there so I'm, that puts me I'm waking up at like 5 30 here so I'll like chill in bed for an hour sometimes I'll just like lay there and like I let sleep with the window open just listen to the birds and wake up and go take myself for a walk to my favorite coffee shop um an eagle rock and i love collage like a really good little team of people and it's super small so you actually there's no seats inside and the only place to sit is on this bench that's a square around this one tree outside so it's like that's cool very new york but also forces you to at least share space with strangers which i love stuff like that i really love interactions with strangers are you good at them I'm good at them. I could see that. I'm almost better at them than I am interacting with people I know sometimes. (laughs) There's like something about the spontaneity that sparks joy in me. Yeah. That really lets like it run through me really Mm. organically. I think that all of this is amazing. I wonder where you came into the self-awareness of all of this, because I think most of us don't even know what brings us pleasure or what brings us joy. We're kind of living a robotic life in a lot of ways and doing what we think we're supposed to do or a lot of the shoulds of, oh, I should do this or I sh- they said I should do that. When did you have the awareness in your body to know this is what makes me feel good? I want to do more of this. I want to fill my cup with this. Um, Definitely a work in progress. One thing that comes up is I dated someone years ago, must have been like six years ago now. And he would talk to me about removing the word should from your vocabulary, that it's a ruminating word. There was should and something else. It's some, I actually don't even remember. But just trying to take that word out and replacing it with something else. Um, I like, like, I have to go do this thing. I get to do this. I want to do yes. this. It would make me feel fulfilled to do this. Because everything holds a charge. Like, absolutely, whether it's a word, an object, a person, a plant, an animal, everything has consciousness energy. Mm-hmm. So whatever we say is, so if we use the word should, there becomes an, a level of guilt. My life work is to reduce the amount of guilt I'm experiencing from being alive. Mm. 
because I'm not inherently doing things that are wrong, I think it's important to evaluate the way we are in the world and be conscious and do the best we can to be kind and to share and to, you know, be gentle with the environment and with one another and to stand up for people who are less fortunate than us or who aren't represented or don't have the voice we do. But should doesn't serve anyone. Mm-hmm. And it just takes away that life force energy that can be used towards something better, like deciding that you want to go on a walk. And so instead you do that. So for me, writing is huge. So every morning I've been writing a lot of letters. I have like eight pen pals. Aww. And so normally I'll go to coffee and either paint a postcard and then write it at, on my little square bench with strangers, or I'll write a letter or I'll read Um, And that's a really gentle way for my body to wake up. I get to move my body for 20 minute walk each way. So she's getting energy and she's feeling sexy because she's moving and she gets to go on our walk in our neighborhood, have the coffee, do the writing. And then by like eight, I've already done that. So I've already taken myself out on a date, which is super crucial to feeling good. And I think tying back to where did this come from? I I do work with um, a teacher and dear, dear friend of mine, Rachel Marudas. Um, essence of the mother. She's Mm. extremely magical and has been a huge aid in me understanding the hidden folds of my um, higher self and psyche and the many layers it is to be human. So um, I spend a lot of time asking myself who I am right now and what we need because there's a lot of elements and pieces of me that exist in different stages. And so I talk to them, all of us, because I feel like, I feel like I'm like a million people in one, Mm. you know, they're all Sam, they're all elements of me, but I'm like, who's talking right now? Like who's, who's feeling bored? Okay. The one that's bored, come forward. What would make you feel good? That's really cool. Like what would excite you today? Right. You want to get your ear pierced? Sweet. Me too. Let's go. It's almost like that inner child work of acknowledging the playfulness within you that we so often hide and saying, what do you want to do? And treating it as a separate entity almost, because I think we, especially women are scared to take care of ourselves. But if you gave us a little girl, of course we would take care of her and take her to the park and let her play and do all the things, but we can't do that for the adult version of ourselves. We want to give her a hug. And I think sometimes like perspective and being able to step outside of the experience, right? You get out of a relationship three months later, like, Oh my God, I get what they were talking about. Or I see the ways our energies didn't mesh. Or I see how we did really well here. And it's so much easier with that perspective. So if you have an experience and instead of judging it, step away and look at it as you, but as a separate aspect of you, like it intrinsically is you, but it's not everything about you and be like, Oh, now I can tend to her. Mm. Do you feel like you have had yourself wrapped up in an identity that you then had to let go? So many times. Yeah. Where was I died that? so many times. <laughs> feel I that, think, girl. <laughs> I think I just died last week, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do feel like an upgraded version of my software has... I'm so much happier this week. Something changed. Mm. Um, where was that? An old identity... Definitely. It's, it's clear to see when you move locations. I'm a bit nomadic. So I grew up in Washington state. I was born in Spokane. Really? Yeah. Then we moved down to Temecula when I was three and a half. 
Okay. So yeah. you didn't, you I didn't, didn't grow, grow up, up there. in the rain. No, no, I did not. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very beautiful, but, and I think also growing up in the Pacific Northwest, so I lived there from, until I was like 23 and then lived in Rome for like eight months mm. studying abroad and then came back and then moved to Spain for a while and then came back and then moved to Portland for three years. So I've, I've done the Pacific Northwest for a while. And then I've been in Ojai for two years. And then now I'm here for like the last three months. Lots of moving. Um, but when you're in the Pacific Northwest, like it's dark. And so you, you do the shadow work. It just kind of happens to you. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, because it's there all the time. Everywhere you look, it comes up because the, that kind of weather makes you go inward. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my identities was definitely in my Seattle phase of life. And that was definitely like, what, how did I see myself then? I had a big group of friends and I was kind of like, I definitely partied a lot at that point in my life. And I was like the, the hippie weirdo one of the group that would like party like too hard and that was kind of my role and I actually did leave because I was just exhausted by everything we were just doing the same stuff all the time and I love all those people you know but I think I personally just needed a change of atmosphere because mm-hmm. I was like okay I'm done I've, I've done this part of my life I learned a lot I had a lot of fun but I'm done I'm tired I'm ready to do something else I'm bored want to be challenged and so I, I went to India for like six months why India why not India mm. <laughs> I think I wanted to be I did a yoga teacher training which I actually don't teach yoga because I don't feel called to do that anymore um but I went to a tiny village in Goa it's called Agonda Agonda Beach because mm. I wanted to be my friend had done a program similar and she really loved her teacher and he made his own program it was really small too small actually, but small. And, and I wanted to swim in the ocean every morning. That was really important. I was like, I think I need to like take an ocean bath every morning before meditation. Cause we started meditating at five or six. Sorry. I would wake up at five, go for a swim, go meditate for like two and a half hours. Um, but India is really overwhelming. Like there's nothing that isn't there that you're looking for. And I think I kind of needed to be like bewildered. Mm. Which brought its own challenge. Yeah. And, you know, everything's there, the colors, the smells, the tastes. And I I think I needed to be overwhelmed because I had doled myself out for so long, especially I actually did some healing to the one that felt she had to drink so much and take so many drugs while I was in Costa Rica. And I was like, why were you doing that? Like what, what called you to like take it so far? She was like, I was bored and I, I wanted attention. And I thought that was how. I thought that was the way, you know? And so I think I'd kind of doled my senses. So to bring them back up and have it be charged by my environment felt really exciting for me. Mm. What did you learn about yourself when you realized you didn't have to be the party girl, but that you could be um, recharged or invigorated by other things? I think it was a relief. Like, I think because, you know, I went to India, I didn't know anyone. I went alone. I traveled to like Sri Lanka and Bali and India. And 
I guess like everyone was like, it was your eat, pray, love. And I was like, yeah. I guess that's super annoying. But I guess because I did go to the two of the same yeah, places that she did. But I didn't know. I mean, who wrote that book? Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert. Gilbert yeah. Okay. Love her. Amazing author and really a profound speaker. If you've not listened to her interviews, mm-hmm. top notch. But I, I think I just found all the freedom to be whatever I wanted because no one there had any judgment of me. They, I could have said anything I wanted to. So I just kind of came as I was then and tried to leave behind all the stories of what I was associating with and just show up with how I wanted to be. Well, isn't it interesting you say there was no one there to judge you because no one knew you, but you just didn't judge yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I just... Like you went in with freedom and openness to like, oh, I can just be whatever I want. So then you don't judge yourself. So then no one else is judging you either. And were people really <laughs> judging you or are you just judging yourself? That is a question I asked myself this God. morning in my writing. Yeah. Our opinions of, I think, I mean, obviously we spend way more time thinking about ourselves than anyone else does. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. Like when we think someone's upset with us or they don't like us, it's probably 90% of the time not actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we create these stories around value and lack of worthiness and feeling like we don't fit in and we we don't deserve things. Oh my God. Those are all (laughs) things I'm working with right now. Right? I mean, I think so many women our age are doing that. I think that is the woman's work. Yeah. Unfortunately. I think that's something we took on a few centuries ago, maybe. I think it was... I mean, I have my own opinions on when that started. Yeah, when do you think that started? Um, the witch trials. Mm, that makes sense. I think is a big part of it. This is more like an intuitive thing. It has nothing to do with research. I don't have any like actual information to give you that's data, except for the fact that prior to the witch trials, and I'm talking about like the European witch trials before the ones in America, that land was shared between them, whoever got married. So at that point, I think only men and women were getting married, but when they would buy a piece of property, it was split evenly. Mm. Each of them owned an equal amount of the property, equal amount of the cattle, whatever herds. Um, and after the witch trials, that all kind of shifted to a lot of that shifted. But I think what would happen is, um, so let's say I was accused of being a witch and you were my neighbor. And then someone accused you of being a witch, basically how you would get out of being on trial is to turn someone else in or to like um, invoke more gossip about that said witch. So you'd basically be able to barter off the freedom and the life of another woman. And I think that's where the competitiveness in women started because I don't think it's inherent. It doesn't feel organic. Mm -mm. It doesn't feel real. Like I know love from women in a way I don't experience from men. Not yet anyway. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that our DNA wants to hold each other up. I can feel it. And so I think that was something taught by a man because I think that they were jealous of the way we were tethered to the earth. And also at that time, like medicine was shifting. And so I think a lot of it had to do with like the concept of Westernized medicine versus more natural approach. And so the people who were working with the earth, the medicine people, think it was a threat to their business they thought damn that's so good i've never heard anyone say that and that makes 
so much sense. That makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. Because I ask women oftentimes, I come from a very competitive industry. I used to work in TV and sports. I was like one of the only women. So everyone yeah. hated each other and tried yeah. to bully each other. I'm like, this just, this just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Like, I where did this start? It. And so many people are like, oh, well, you know, when women entered the workforce, there weren't a lot of jobs. And so women really believe that there was this one spot and they had to take everyone down. No, it was in order literally to our lives depended on it. They yeah. t- like someone turned us against each other because it wouldn't build like that if it weren't our root chakra, like our right. stability, our life force saying, I'm in fear of dying. Mm-hmm. That's an animal instinct that's been embedded, I think. When I did, have you ever done ayahuasca? Not yet. Um, When I did ayahuasca last year, I went to my soul home and I saw and I I became the energy in my soul home. And what it looked like was this uh, feminine energy that was all connected. And so that there were no people there. It was just energy. We were blobs of energy, but everyone (laughs) was connected and it was like pink and blue Sounds and purple. really warm. It was so warm. <laughs> it was so in it. beautiful. Can I come in your soul? Seriously, <laughs> I want everyone to go. And I just melted into my mat and I was like, oh my God, this is the truth. This is the truth. This feminine touch and connection is what we are all longing for, yet don't know how to access. And what you were saying about how you have felt love from women that you have never felt from a man, I believe that that's because that's what we all need. What we all desire to be held by a woman in that that feminine softness, but also that fierce protector. So how would you like include men in that conversation? Like how would you include men in the soul home? Because for me, it's I think men have the capacity to love me as deeply as women. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't know that it'll ever feel the same, but I don't want it to. <laughs> You know, like, I think a a touch from a man in that masculine strength for me is what I want to feel from a man. I'm processing this as I'm talking about it. I've never had this conversation. And I think that it's this, like, steady holding that feels, it feels, it feels strong and powerful. Whereas when, when you have that woman's love, it's an acknowledgement and a mirror of yourself. So to be seen through another woman's eyes where a man can't do that, he's not, he doesn't have the feminine body and the softness and the grace that I think women embody so well. And so I think that when it comes to the soul home and all of that female energy, I think that it merges with the masculine, but I don't know that it comes from the same place. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I'm currently trying to kind of unpack uh, energies as, as far as my understanding. I mean, I do understand what you're saying. I do understand what you're saying. I'm just I'm at a point where it's kind of like the question when people are like, "What happens after death?" I'm like, I'm not really sure. Right. Um, what my belief system is on that, I have a vague understanding, and I don't really need to know more. But in this question of like the male female paradigm I am really curious on how to talk about it and how to more deeply understand it outside of a physical realm Mm -hmm. especially like in terms of including people who are trans or cisgendered or not cisgendered and all different varieties of humans that identify in different ways Mm -hmm. in that conversation piece like people who don't identify as male or female right and just being like you are also 
included in this conversation totally. of who gets to hang out in the soul home and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's re- confusing. It though. does. And I like that you said that because what's coming up for me as you explain that is that it's fluid. It is fluid. So I don't know that it's just women that come from that space. I think that it is an energy that is protected and held and sacred. And so any anyone can come from that. I think for me, it's what nurtures me and lights me up and, and makes my soul make sense. So I think a man can come from that too. It's where I derive my sense of home. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is a complex topic though, because it's like, even when I think about masculine feminine and especially as like my own conscious thoughts about it have started to shift and evolve and grow over the past few years Mm -hmm. is that when I think of male and female, it's actually less about body parts and more about words that were assigned under those categories of what's masculine and feminine, Mm -hmm. like to be feminine quote unquote is to be like nurturing and soft and understanding and the things that fall under a yin mentality, restorative, um, fierce, but, um, but tender. And then the things that fall under the category of masculine, which are like strong, aggressive, fearless, those things, but, and then taking those words and removing them from the concept of the physical body. Mm. And so I do think that like the soul home, like the words that fit into the female category make sense because those are things that do cause a sense of relaxation, sense of letting go, sense of regeneration and restoration as it's tied to the feminine, the moon, Mm -hmm. which is when we come to rest, which is when we enter like the cosmic, the dream cycle. Mm. And I also feel like women's energy, um, Again, women being like those words that sit under the category of women um, fill the upper chakras of of the body and that the masculine inhabit more of the the bottom. This is like how I see it when I imagine it because the men like grounds us in, the masculine energy grounds us and makes us stable, creates a root system and allows us to grow up. And then the feminine energy can come and is like cosmic chaos creation swirl and that can happen the best when you're rooted Mm -hmm. i don't even mean physically rooted in one specific place but when you're grounded and feel like you're taken care of and have a good sense of self and feel safe and feel like you can be then the upper part can just go wild and like women are i mean creation energy So. I like what you said about taking the words out because I think so often we want to be able to label it, put it in a box, have it make sense. It's the easiest way for us. Right. But if you took the labels out, even if you took the feminine masculine label out, it all comes back to feeling. Yeah. And how is your body speaking to you through feeling, through heaviness, through lightness, through expansion, through contraction? through growth, through feeling rooted. How have you, as a writer and someone that is so, that values words and the way they pair with photographs, 
how do you stay in the feeling? In in my writing? Uh, just in general. I mean, I feel like... I feel like feelings wash over us. Mm. I don't feel like I have any real control over mine. I can choose. Same girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that like fierce, me and my best friend are constantly, well, we talk on the phone every day, but constantly cracking up. Cause sometimes I'll just have these insane waves of anger. And I think the best thing to do is to just let the emotion be what it is and not judge it. And if you want to be pissed for a while, that's powerful. That's sexy. Be that. And if you want to be sad, that's powerful. Like water melts mountains like over time, you know? So it's like, let the emotion be what it is. And I think for me, um, as a writer, when I'm writing in a way that feels really good and inspired to me, it's because I am fully overcome by the emotion that is asking to be put to words. It's beautiful. And I stop when it ends. Yeah. How do you know when it's over? Um, if when it comes to writing, I want the last line to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Said every writer uh, ever. <laughs> like that's that's a really it's a really important part to me. But uh-huh. I kind of want it to feel like it was cut off. I've been thinking about um, cause I just went to Costa Rica and I went alone and I was there to go heal myself. So I read like three books. I read a lot. And I was thinking about how a good book just kind of throws you in the story. It's almost like you're thrown into the center, but it's actually the beginning, but it feels like it's the middle. And it just, because it's like, this is someone's life and they're 13 now. And you're like, all right, let me catch up. What's going on? And you're in the story and you're in it. I, want my ending of what I'm writing to kind of feel the same way, almost like it's the middle of the end of the thought. The little mystery. Attached. The little mystery. Like I just read a Bill Callahan book. My roommate suggested reading it. Um, and the ending, I was like, what? Because <laughs> it's not concrete. And that's but hard. I liked that. Yeah, and that's hard for our minds to wrap around. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier, right. like the idea of words. When things aren't explicit, it can be kind of hard, but it also creates, um, it does something. It like tickles the senses. Or I'm like, what is, what? But I like that. Well, I think mystery affords us the opportunity to be more curious within ourselves and our experiences, yeah. right? So where does your where does your curiosity and desire for mystery and opportunity to try different things and do different things come from? Um I definitely just like want to know what everything feels like. <laughs> That's an innate curiosity mm-hmm. for me. Um cuz you just won't know till you try. I also like when I travel, I don't really look at pictures of where I'm going because I like being stunned by something and having it catch me off guard. Um, But I just like experiencing things because there's as much as you can read or write about something, you can't translate an experience ever exactly because it's and it's so specific to each person. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. And I also just think 
to be truly involved in our lives and to live a rich life, we have to stay curious. Mm -hmm. We have to stay curious. Yeah, it's, um, we, we keep ourselves from experience because of expectations and fear. How do you let go of expectation to outcome and, and, Maybe, I don't know how you use the fear, whether it's to drive you or to let it go so that you can be more curious. What is that? How do you navigate all of that? I'm going to start with the fear piece um, because the expectation one is you're actually very. Am I um, on it? Yeah. Am I feeling you today, girl? You are. You're, you're like into my zone, mm. which I like. That's cool. Um. I keep asking people about the expectation thing lately. Um, fear. I'm not a horribly fearful person. Um, but I do experience fear, of course. Fear of falling in love, fear of being good enough, fear of being successful, fear of if I should put all my eggs in the basket of my career. A lot of mine are career-centric. Um, I would say career and romance is like where I experience my fear triggers and family. Um, but who doesn't? Yeah, um, I was going to say same <laughs> for all of us. I think I this think. is the human experience. <laughs> um, that's the, that's the death awareness piece is there's not enough time for me to live in fear. I actually think I was, I think I wrote in my notes on my way down from Ohio. like, what did I write? Do tell. <laughs> I think Exclusive that, note sharing on the show. I'm here something. for it. It's really, oh, it says don't live afraid. Wow. That's it. Um, because you'll miss opportunities to unfold and, or to play or to, fuck up or to orgasm or to try something new or to get out of a job you don't like. And really most of the time when people do things they're afraid of really great stuff unfolds. Sometimes it takes a month, but like most of the time not, it really is normally pretty quick. Mm -hmm. You just have to make room for what you want. And it's scary to do that because we're told you have to live this way. You get this job, you work hard, you hunker down, you climb up the ladder. And then eventually one day you'll have enough in savings and a house and a dog and a cisgendered normative relationship. And then you can one day spend five years doing what it is you actually love. I'm like, fuck that lie. Because that strips people of their power. And that takes their joy away. And like the other day when it rained in California, it was like hailing. And I was at the park with the little boy. I was babysitting. And all the parents had the kids. The kids were super happy and running in the rain and all the parents were under the thing. And I was like, when did we learn to not find joy in the rain? Because the kids know. They're not thinking about it. They're just reacting and they're freaking out. They're like, like really freaking out and then one boy was just standing there like Aww. arms out to the side and I was like they know oh boy parents are paying attention yeah and I let the little boy I babysit go out in the rain he was like I want it I was like great let's we can get wet yeah 
So that's the fear piece. I just don't think there's time for it. I get that it's a rational thing. Fear is a Elizabeth Gilbert actually bring it back to her has a really awesome quote about it being like our best bodyguard and that fear is like on our side. Like its job is to take care of us and to keep us safe, but we're not cave people anymore. And so we don't need to have that defense up all the time because saber tooth tigers are not going to attack you when you try something new. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to trip out about it. You invite fear in the car because they have your back. And sometimes you need to listen to fear because it's real and rational. I mean, I just traveled alone as a woman. It's real. Be smart. Have your intuition there, but don't let fear drive the car. Don't let fear pack the snacks. That's what she says. I was like, That's I so love good. it. She's like, don't let fear pick the music <laughs> <laughs> because it acts from a place that isn't authentic and, and it's anxious. Mm -hmm. So fear just gets to ride in the car. And that's Elizabeth Gilbert that said that. And I was like, that makes so much sense. So it's not negative, but like, let your joy run the show. As for expectation. They definitely, those two are good friends. Um, I think it, it, it keeps us from the present moment. I would say I see that is where I, it affects my life. When I let expectation come in, it doesn't allow me to actually be in my body. And as soon as I'm not in my body, I am acting from fear. It's like one steps into the next and I get tense and tight and weird. And what I do when I'm fearful or anxious is I can't stay still. I walk, like I like pace and move and I like can't, it's pretty twitchy energy. I'm also an air sign. So like, but I literally just can't stop moving or doing things or cleaning if I'm in my own house or whatever it is. But I think that those two come tandem and it's important to figure out what your toolkit is when you notice those things come up to be like, all right, I'm going to transmute this energy. Like right now I'm noticing really anxious. Kundalini for me is like really epic for that. That is the one area of yoga I do feel still really drawn towards. Even if it's just like you're with someone. I mean, this was coming up for me so much in my last relationship because it was short. Um, but I was really into him and I hadn't really been into someone in a really long time. And so the fear of loss started coming up or fear of not being worthy, old triggers. And so I would feel myself shift and I didn't do this, but I'm realizing now is I could have like just gone to the bathroom and like done some tapping or some breathing. You would have never even had to know. Or I could authentically say, I'm feeling weird right now. And that would probably also transmute the energy. Right. Why were you scared to do that? Oh, I don't know. Like my, my inner cool girl was really running the show at that point. I think it was a really big shift for me moving from Ohio to LA and a lot was going on. It's like, I'd been excited to do it. I decided I was going to like really pursue my photography. I came down here. I was dating someone in Ohio. We were in love, but it just wasn't a good match. And so like came down dating him, immediately met someone else. There was just a lot going on. And I don't think I was actually grounded. And I did, I don't feel like I was really rooted in myself. I feel like I was still kind of like, so airy. Just want to take a brief moment to tell you about our incredible sponsors for this episode. 
I absolutely love CBD. You guys know I talk about this all the time on the show, on social media. I talk about how important it was during my days of chronic illness and feeling awful all the time. I couldn't see. I was in so much pain and my stomach was always a wreck. And I've really leaned on CBD for about 15 years. And so when we found Ned and saw that everything they make is really clean, there's nothing synthetic, no flavor. It is incredibly pure. And it can help with anxiety and sleep and inflammation. They also designed a special natural cycles collection. So if you have any issues with your hormones or PMS, this is so, so beneficial for you. They use a cold extraction process. Everything is gentle and slow. And they're so mindful and thoughtful. They're energetically infusing all the good vibes with binaural beats and positive affirmations. And Y'all know we are here for that. So if you go to helloned.com slash Kelly T, you'll get 15% off your first order and free shipping. That's helloned.com slash Kelly T. And a new company that I am really loving what they're about is called Let's Get Checked. So we all know how hard it can be to go get testing for anything, whether it's an STD, a hormone panel, fertility. It is difficult with obstacles and lots of money. And so I love what Let's Get Checked is created because you can get tested for all these things at home without having to go in to see a doctor and pay unsightly fees after you get the testing done that you weren't expecting. So I did the hormone and fertility testing for women and got my results back in just a few days. You just do a little pinprick and drop the blood into the dropper and send it on your way. And in a few days, you know exactly what's going on. They'll also match you um, with someone to walk you through the entire process and what things mean. So if you have questions, they do have that available as well, which I think is really important. So if you are needing testing for anything, including COVID, just a side note, they do have COVID testing so you can check for the antibodies There is no discount, but they're actually doing this at cost. So they're not making money on this, which is why there's no discount. But, you know, you can't just get testing all the time at home for COVID anymore either. So if you're looking for that, this is also available to you. But if you want to check out Let's Get Checked, you can go to trylgc.com slash Kelly T. You'll get 20% off your testing. So that's trylgc.com slash Kelly T. And let me know how it goes for you. All right, let's get back to this one with Sam. Coming out of that, this last relationship and knowing that you have a tendency to be airy and and you've been feeling kind of all over the place and not grounded. (laughs) What do you do now being single on your own, having the time for yourself, choosing yourself to ground, to find where you need to be and want to be at this point? I think a lot of it is in ritual, but first of all, not getting bound to the idea of a ritual, having to maintain the same. Like if you're bored by it, change it. Mm-hmm. You should be excited by it. It should be pleasurable to you. Like really, it should be exciting. So part of mine right now is coffee. I like to wake up before my roommate. I like to do coffee, whether I make it myself or going on my walk and being outside and doing some reading, writing. Um, I try an orgasm every day. That can happen whenever. I am into boxing right now. So good for so many reasons. Um, But yeah, any kind of exercise, like I need to, my body needs to move way more than I think it needs to move. So just 
when I'm not working, I try and walk everywhere and not really drive my car. So I stay in Eagle Rock a lot because I just want to be by foot because I think I'm supposed to be doing that. It feels what my body's calling for is the main way of transportation, like boxing or dancing. And those things keep me in my body, you know, because I'm listening and the breath has been spread and I'm not stagnant and it's not, I'm not just sitting still and I'm not cramped. And when I exercise, my body is less tense and tight anyway, you know, and then I'm taking time to release endorphins. So I'm feeling, feeling myself. I'm like, I look good. I did that for myself and I know that's healthy. Also just, you know, giving myself the right nourishment, food, drinking a lot of water, um, and then breathing, like some kind of breath work, whether it's kundalini or some other kind of breath work. Right now I'm working on learning how to remote view. That's been fun. What's that? <laughs> it's really just about finding a meditation, you know, that I think sometimes you just have to change it up. So it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to see a place that's not where you are. Oh. Yeah, working on does that, but like, does that take you out of the present moment, or is it about visualization? Um, I almost feel like it's it's letting your um, like you're letting your intuitive, uh, like cosmic self lead the show. So coming out of your humanness and more into your cosmic being. Mm. My dad right now is is a little bit sick. He's okay. But I've been visiting my parents with my cosmic self to send them healing. How's that going? I don't know. Does it it feel good for you? It feels good for me. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. You know, and so for me, I don't think it removes me from the present because I'm being present with them. And I'm actually literally trying to see what they're doing at that moment. I don't know if I'm actually doing it, but I'm doing something. Do you ever have experiences (laughs) where you feel like you're in two dimensions at once? I mean, I kind of constantly always question if like this is real life or a dream. Yeah, same. Um, And someone the other day was like, do you mean like you wonder if it's a simulation and you're on a computer? And I'm like, absolutely not. I do not feel like I'm in the matrix. I don't. That's not my perception of reality. But life feels so fucking magical sometimes that doesn't mean it's easy that doesn't mean that I'm not like super emotional and triggered and that everything's going perfectly I get zits I have breakups I have shitty days but like it's so magical that sometimes I'm like how is this real mm-hmm. I don't understand but I think it's because like we are the creators of our reality and our universe and so what you ask for you will get so be specific you will get it mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. I ask because I often find myself, like, in a conversation like this, and all of a sudden, you'll become two. (laughs) And so, and, like, everything will sort of shift where I feel, I can feel myself that I'm I'm living in two dimensions at once, where I'm having this this soul experience in human form, but also this experience, my soul is somewhere else at the same time. Yeah, what's the second dimension that you're sensing? It feels more ethereal and okay. more, more connected, more, more of a spiritual experience. 
I, I'm not really sure. It does just, it look different or does it just feel different? No, it, it look it this in this in these scenarios it looks the same. But it's like I'm with you here on this plane, but I'm also with you somewhere else. Where sometimes I think, you know, um deja vu, like has this happened before and I'm just reliving it again. It's so nuts. So magical. <laughs> I love it. I really you know, have you ever had deja vu a lot with one person? There's someone in Ohio mm-hmm. that he was like, I always have deja vu about you. And I'm like, okay, then we must have shared a light for something. Cause right. I don't, he's like, you trigger deja vu in me. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so strange. You don't trigger it in me, but like, I feel honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know that I have it with one specific person. I just, even I've had dreams before and I've seen things and then five years later they've come come together and they've come true in real life. Isn't it wild? Where you're like, I've dreamed this. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I'm, I have no idea why I asked you that, but I just. I like that imagination. It's just interesting to feel the duality of, of like, what is time? What is space? What is, what is the human experience versus <laughs> the soul experience? And why can't it all just be together? Well, I will say when you said that, I had this feeling in my body right here. It was kind of like my, I guess my heart, my left side. It was like the back of my heart and it felt like it was pulling out this way when you said that. And what I imagined was we were like, I had this weird, like, it was almost like a a reel from a movie. And it was like, we, it was us, but we were a little, but we were paintings. Mm. Like we were like these really simple paintings of like, almost like girls long, like you have your dark hair, super simple, just like a drawing of black and mine, like brown and then we were both wearing like just these dresses, but I think we were kids and we were just running through a field holding hands. What? But it was really simple. It was like a very simple painting. I, I love that. But, and I think my soul was saying, yes, we can run to, we run together in other realms. Yeah. We play in other realms. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that the deja vu, right, of having a past life with someone and having experience with them before, I also feel that with so many of the people I'm coming into contact with right now, like these are my sisters and brothers and we've done this before and we're meeting again to collectively bond to lift the conversation and shift what's happening and there's that that soul connection where it's not just happening here it's either happened before or it's happening somewhere else and we're we're playing out the human experience i mean i definitely believe in multiple um like simultaneous universes like mm-hmm. i don't think i'm the only me have you did you see the oa Oh my gosh. I'm I mean, I get, I get that. Like that makes sense to me. Completely. Like, it's like, Oh, a show that understands me now. I get, like, I, I get that. <laughs> and I do think that like part of the best piece of having a conversation is not that we have the responsibility to wake people up. We don't, I don't want that responsibility, but that if they hear something and it clicks, it's like, this will make your life way more interesting. And way more fun. Like if you choose to be an active participant, oh, life is so much more pleasurable. Enjoy. Do you ever feel, this is something I've been feeling the last couple of weeks. I've been really verbalized. <clears throat> I'm like, what matters? And why do I care so much? What does matter? Yeah. And it goes back to the fear thing. I live in this fear in a lot of different areas of my life, similar to you. and then. I have these brief moments. I had, I, I did uh, mushrooms a couple nights ago and I had this 
out of body awareness where I was like, everything's good. Nothing matters. It's all okay. I'm, I struggle translating that into my reality without psychedelics, of course. But how do you let go and not worry about things knowing that some shit just doesn't matter and we don't have to care about it? Um, well, I had a realization on mushrooms. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Last week, I took some with me. Nice. And I went to this like really magical, I'm going to set the scene a little bit. Like you walk 5.8 miles through the jungle and then there's this swimming hole that someone told me about, like a local and you can snorkel. Mm. And on low tide, it's, it's, there's not a ton of fish, but it's, there's some fish and it's cool. And I was snorkeling in there and then um, walked back through the jungle to go back to this epic place I was staying. And I, I like died on the beach that day, like crying for like four hours. I had a lot to release, felt super good, wrote a lot. And I was thinking about like the concept of Maya, like the illusion, the veil that, Coat's life and that humans grasp onto with such white knuckles. And that what came through is what is real besides the love that we choose to give and receive. Mm. And I'm not talking romantic love. I mean, that's one small piece, but like, and like love being what nourishes you and feeds your soul and, um, and replenishes you and ties you to the life source and makes you feel connected and helps you to grow and expand, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, and the answer was nothing like that's it. That's what it is like to me. It's about that remaining to source and it's about both giving and receiving and being at ease with each I don't remember your question, but I, don't I feel like that was the answer. I loved that. And it made me remember that every time I do mushrooms, the message that they always give me is that you are love lead from love. And mm. it's like so simple. Mushrooms for president, man. Mm, <laughs> I mean, yes, all the way. But we come in with our ego and our beliefs that it has to be all these other things. And I keep trying to remind myself, like, come back to love, be love. Even in my relationship, like, I've been experiencing a lot of anger um, because of some stuff that's happening in my life. And I'm showing up in my relationship and a couple of times have screamed and been so angry and so just awful in a lot of ways. And I realize that those are emotions I need to let go. And then I, my body gets to release and so mm -hmm. important. But at the same time, also reminding myself that I am love and to lead from love. And when I, when I drop into that place, I can still have anger, can still experience this rage, but there's this, this rooted part of me from love. So it's like having the duality of both emotions and being in love allows me to release the anger faster. So I'm not sitting in it and allowing it to take over my body. Well, and then maybe if you're coming from a place of love too, you're not also coming from a place of reactivity. Right. Because there's, I think getting rid of the judgment towards anger is crucial because mm -hmm. there's stuff to be angry about. It's a lot to be angry about. And I don't think that I do not believe in good vibes only. Yes. Honestly, that phrase really annoys me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as long as we're not reacting, because really it just adds more work to the table. Like when we react to something, then you're going to have to go do damage control. Yes. And it's like, 
is then don't because it's just more chi mm -hmm. that you're spending somewhere that you could be spending somewhere else. It's currency. Mm. You mentioned that it's been hard for you to receive love and that you're Working scared about falling in love. Uh, where does that come from for you? Okay. <laughs> um, probably my family. I My family is not... Um, I talked to my mom about this recently. We were not trained to talk about our feelings. We didn't talk about our feelings. We didn't affirm each other. We weren't very like affectionate. Like I, and I'm a really touchy person. So I actually was as a child, like I would always like climb on my, I still do when I go home. I like want to sit on my mom's lap really badly. Like I can't control the urge to like need to sit on her. Mm. She's like almost 70 and I still, I'm like, I have to sit on you still. Soon you can sit on me. But we're not there yet. We're almost there. <laughs> you can if you want now, but yeah. I also still need them. We need to train. I need to get back <laughs> on top of you. Still, because I need you to hold me like a baby. Like, mm. it's super, it's like an insane impulse. I cannot not sit on my mother. But um, I, <laughs> I think because they were not very good at affirming and um, they didn't know how. What do you mean by affirming? I I didn't feel seen mm. as a child unless I was unless I was getting in trouble. So the only way I knew how to get the attention of my parents was to be bad, quote unquote. And I don't think I was bad. I think I was just I'm an Aquarius. So if you set a rule, I'm gonna break it. That's just how I've always been. Um and I'm curious. I'm 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 perfectly curious and I had to try things. But that was the only way I knew how to get them to even look at me. You know, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So I was told I wasn't good in school, but I'm super smart. Like I was told my whole life that I wasn't. But I would like, I mean, I just wasn't good at sitting in math class because it didn't interest me and I didn't feel like it. And on top of that, I'm an Aquarius. So it's like, I don't designate energy to things that don't feel exciting to me. Mm. I've always kind of been like that. Like I've never had a real job. Um steadfast in that I would say um and I think you know they wanted I was I got good grades but I think they wanted like maybe a straight A student I was super good at swimming but like my dad wouldn't come to my swim meets like he never watched me swim he was always too busy and like my mom would always come and she was supportive and like they always had a problem with how I dressed and then my body started changing and that was like a whole thing. And they were religious, you know, and I grew up and my, when I hit puberty, my boobs just came out of nowhere, but I was super skinny. I was like really, really tiny. And I just had these huge boobs. All of a sudden I just had like C cups wow. on this like really small frame. And so like, and it was really hard for my parents. And so I felt a lot of shame for something I couldn't control. But then my mom wanted me to wear makeup because she wanted me to seem more feminine. I was a tomboy. There were like all these things that were very confusing mm. and clearly had nothing to do with me. Projections of your parents' stuff. And they were trying to probably repair an aspect of their childhood that was confusing to them. And in turn, were confusing you more. Confusing the shit out of me. And, right. and then like also trying to control, they see they have a daughter that is wild and like is stubbornly like self-aware. I think since I was young that like 
I have a really strong sense of self and I don't let people tell me what to do. And I've always been like that. And I think that is hard as a parent. Yes. I've nannied. That's freaking hard, but also God bless those children because we need them. Yes. And I think it, it was exhausting for them, but you know, what I needed is for them to just be like, all right, just do it. And then I, it would have been a different dynamic. So what comes up for you in relationship when you are being loved and all of a sudden you get triggered? I have, I have, okay. You want the honest truth? I mean, yes. That's what we're here for. (laughs) I mean, this is like some nitty gritty. I have this like weird dialogue that I've noticed comes up. It only comes up in relationship and it only comes up when I start to really like someone. And I start to tell myself, I'm not weird enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not funny enough. And I'm not creative enough. And those are the areas that I'm not enough. It's always those four. And I start to like, Instagram does not help. No. Like when I'm in that spiral, (laughs) I'll be totally honest. When I'm in that spiral, I do this insane thing and it doesn't come up all the time. It'll come out of nowhere. I don't know what brings it up. It's not like I'm fine with my, like when I'm dating a man, I'm fine with him having girlfriends. It's all about communication and it's normally not triggered by something that um, like, I saw him talking to another girl. It's not normally that stuff. And like, um, and I've actually never been in partnership with a woman. Um, I've been intimate with women, but I, I do this thing where like something will kick it off. I'm probably just not feeling good in my body or really it's probably, I'm not doing what I need to be doing with my life. So I start to evaluate and pick a problem somewhere else and create issues. Um, And I'll see someone on Instagram. I'll be like, she's so pretty and seemingly funny and her life looks good. He should just date her instead. Mm. And I don't ever say this out loud to anyone, but my friends, because it's an insane thought process. Like, first of all, I don't, it's always someone I don't know that I follow on Instagram. I don't know them. He probably doesn't follow them or know them. And what the fuck am I doing? Like, it's like, but, I, and I don't do that in the real world. I don't like see someone at a bar and be like, he should date. It's only in this weird realm where I do this thing. And that's actually my one destructive thing I do on Instagram. Other than that, it's like the only thing that really comes up. That, and I don't know why I do it. Well, it's because I am well, working It feeds out. something for you, right? It's because I'm, I'm, it feeds the one that has no uh, self-worth. I mean, I like know what it's from. I'm just, I'm just working on how to stop her when she starts talking about it and be like, wait, babe, 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 hold on. You know, and I haven't figured it out yet, Mm. but I'm working on it. Do you attract people who give you love or who withhold love? (sighs) I really believe in astrology. Yes. Um, I don't know a ton about it, (laughs) but (laughs) when you said that, I was like, (laughs) Virgos, Scorpios, Cancers. <laughs> like, um, I like, I, I do like people who are a little mysterious. Um, and I also am super down to, I don't need a lot from a partner because I'm really independent. I think that we match whoever we're with. Like, I kind of think 
we kind of feed off each other. And I think a little bit I withhold. So I think that they tend to subconsciously withhold in reflection of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. God, such good awareness. Because I want to be like, like the cool girl. Like that's like, I mean, like me and my best friend both crack up because we're both Aquarius and it's very real for Aquarius. Like it's fine. I'm super nonchalant and aloof and cool and whatever. And like almost to a point of like detriment. Like, yes, I do need my sp- personal space and time, but like, I don't need to give you two. I do want to see you. It's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready to see you. Now. Yeah. But I'll be like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Do your thing. <laughs> well, because if you're not the cool girl, then you're, you're stepping fully into intimacy and that's really scary. It's so scary you're scared to receive that kind of love. Well, I think it's scary because I've like, I've lost, I've had two breakups that were really intense mm. and I'm so grateful for them because they're massive teachers. And one of them, as a result, I found my teacher because I was so broken. Mm-hmm. I was truly like devastated. Um, and the second one, you know, lots of learning there too. But I think, yeah, it's really hard to have your heart broken. Like, and it takes a while to rebuild. And I'm, I think like in this last situation, I was like, oh God, like if you all of a sudden break up with me, like I'm at the point where it's going to be really hard for me. So I'm just going to break up with you instead. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to do this before you have a chance to. I'm just going to break up with you. So like, we don't have to worry about you breaking up with me. Mm. Cause that will be like really hard for me and my ego. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you explain that. <laughs> Both of us. So here? let me just handle this. Okay. I'm just going to say bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's funny how we like have this idea that it puts us into control when control is just this big fucking illusion it's an illusion and and i realized like a week later i ended up texting him and i was like i thought i was like undoing my pattern by that conversation but really i was just actually even more secretly it was even more secretly my pattern on a deeper level that seemed to be consciousness and like an awareness (laughs) but really it was just my pattern again showing back up wearing a really good disguise this time that i really thought was me but is my pattern Dude, I have done that so many times already this year where um, I'll be talking. My boyfriend's name is Connor. I'll be talking to Connor and I will think that I'm having this incredible awareness. And I've like <laughs> totally changed this pattern and then it turns into this whole thing. And then I and we are, we end up in a fight or some kind of conflict. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I thought this was so different than last time. And then I have time to reflect and same exact thing as you like oh my god this is just the same thing deeper hidden under there it's like harder to see yeah and it it comes up because i've made space for it in one way so now it can show up in another way and teach me the lesson again in a different way and i'm just like oh my god does this ever end no it really doesn't end because like that we don't get healed we keep healing right it's like an active process and it's fun because it's if you watch it's pretty funny like i do find a lot of humor in my healing process even when it's hard yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, I'm being psycho and I know it, but I am just going to savor. Savor the, the psycho? Savor the psycho. <laughs> That's, I love that. It should be like a hot sauce name. <laughs> it should be so good. Um, you mentioned having intimate intimacy with women, whatever you want to, yeah. however you want to explain it. Um, what has that opened up for you in your own femininity and your own connection to your body and being with another woman? I mean, it's just allowed me to see there's no bounds in intimacy mm-hmm. or sensuality or shared experience. Because what I thought was growing up, especially growing up super Catholic, where like, if my parents knew I was at all gay, they would, f- I don't know. 
I haven't told them yet. It's like the one thing about me they don't know. You're partially gay? Is that how you explain it? I mean, I would say I'm bi. Yeah, like same. Like I if I met a woman and wanted to be in a relationship, I would do that. I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a woman. Oh, but see, I, I am totally interested would. in women. Interesting. Like I at this point in my life, like would ideally have like a husband and a wife at some point or like a male partner and a female partner separately. I don't want to share them. I so want to have like an open relationship where you can have yeah, both. Like where I'd be like committed to two people, but that's where I'm at right now. And those things constantly, I'm an Aquarius. So literally everything's constantly changing, mm-hmm. but like that's been pretty consistent as my thought process for a while, but I haven't ever done that. So I don't know if I'd be able to maintain it. Don't know, but it sounds really appealing to me. Um, but I think when one of my first gay experiences was sleeping with a good friend of mine and it was so random. I actually don't even remember how it started at all. I mean, I definitely thought she was sexy, but it was so random. And <laughs> yeah, we actually had sex in a room. Her parents were like sleeping in the room next door. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was great. And like, it just made me realize like, if I want to explore this way, it doesn't matter if it's a male body or a female body. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm open and it's more about just connecting with someone and being open to whatever's honestly coming through and not being fearful mm. or thinking about it. You're like, oh, okay, cool. I think one of the hardest things for me, I'm still like new in this. Um, I just realized that I was bisexual last year. It was like, I don't know, six, eight months ago. Um, and the thing that still comes up for me is this, the voice that says you're disgusting. People will be um, so ashamed of you. How could you do this? This is oh, not wow. appropriate. Did you grow up religious? Yeah, not super religious, but I grew up Catholic as well. Um, and I just, I had a lot of ideas around what was and wasn't allowed and what was and wasn't appropriate. And I had a lot of issues around pleasure. And so to please another woman and to be pleased by a woman, I st- like as much as it feels good in many scenarios, I've had moments where I feel so awful about myself. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Um, I feel like I'm doing something bad. Like, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. That is so not my experience. Mm. So I, I'm, that's interesting to me because I wonder, like, I feel like my parents are going to yell at me. Like I still haven't told them. Are they like, how do they feel about people being gay? They're fine. Like I, in my, I know. <laughs> where, where is this actually coming from? Yeah, I'm not sure. Cause that's as far as I've gotten. I'm so scared to disappoint them. And I, I've, I've done a lot of things that would quote unquote disappoint them. And they still love me and support me. They don't listen to my show anymore. Cause it's like a lot for them. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that if I told them, they'd be like, okay. But in my head, like the little girl feels like she's disappointing them because she's not who she thought she would be. Like I'm, I was uh, a well-known TV host. I that's the expectation. Was, yeah, I was in relationships with men. I was doing the thing, and now I've like just totally veered the other way. Yeah, and I feel like I am a disappointment oftentimes when it comes to this thing. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it's it's amazing. It'll be so nice when to you learn. liberate yourself from that. Yeah, that will feel so fucking good. Yeah, when you liberate yourself from that mm-hmm. and you get that orgasm, I am so excited for you in that moment. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's um it's interesting. And for me, my experience with women has been 
an acknowledgement of myself. Mm. So I really felt disconnected in my body for so long, really hated other women, was bullied by other women, had a really tough relationships with them. And so now it's like this coming home for myself, and I've said this a few times, but in acknowledging another woman and her beauty and her sexuality and her body, I'm actually giving that to myself at the same time, which has been really opening for me and an acceptance of myself. So I'm there like 60% of the time and then 40% of the time it's like, you're gross. Maybe that's the one that's coming. Maybe that's where it is really stemming from is the one that has a hard time mm. receiving mm-hmm. and being, and um, I had another thought the other day. Somehow you were really touching on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I had a thought, what was it? Um, I felt this way since I came home from Costa Rica is like, let yourself be adored. Mm. Like let people recognize your, your loveliness. I don't know why loveliness was the word, but it was the word that came up. And maybe that's the piece that can be kind of tricky for you is being like, is seeing, noticing someone's loveliness is the capacity to which they can see yours. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that hits So deep. maybe that depth feel that. Mm-hmm. is like, it's, and she's probably just freaked out and that's why she's being mean to you mm-hmm. because her pattern was we bully other women, we bully ourselves. So maybe it's really about her just learning to be seen mm-hmm. and acknowledge as lovely, even when if her toenails aren't done and even if she like kind of smells or her leg hair is stubbly or she's not like in full capacity sexy mode, like she's still lovely. That's really good. Could be something. Yeah, that's really good. You've you've brought up like feeling sexy, going on walks um, and different aspects of your life, the connection with your body and also, I mean, just in your work and all of your photographs and in your Instagram. And that's what really drew me to you. I was like, wow, there's just such an appreciation for female body, sexuality, connection, nature, how it all kind of comes together. What does that feel like for you to be expressive sexually and accepting of your body in those moments and other people's as well. Really good. Really good. I'm a sensual being Mm -hmm. like this earth is to me is like dripping with opportunities to like recognize sexuality and just, or sensuality really. And being like sensuality being the senses, like the liberation of our senses and really like, Oh my, like flowers and smells and the way things taste and like, holy shit, there's a lot to experience. And so for me, it feels really awesome to be open. And I love the way forms look. I realized this when I was living in Rome and I was going to a lot of museums and I was, I loved all like the busts Mm -hmm. were carved out of marble and I was constantly photographing them and drawing them like the statues. And I was really drawn to the form of the body and the detail of the body. And then I got home and a few years later started photographing bodies. I was like, oh, I think it started there. And I just think that bodies are beautiful and really interesting. And it's like, first of all, they're the most relatable thing we can work upon because there's something we all have, even Mm -hmm. though they all look different. And it's like both the most common thing and the most forbidden. Right. And so I like that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, I just find them like endlessly amusing they smell they make noises they like make shapes they feel really good to touch 
And then also being authentic, like with when it doesn't is an important part in expressing that, especially if I'm like photographing someone, it's super important that like we're, we're on the same page, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of times I'll offer poses because I spend a lot of time, a lot of the people I photograph aren't models and I spend time looking at paintings and sculptures and photographs for pose inspiration a lot. And so I'll be like, try this maybe. And you know, it's, and I always tell people, I'm like, it will feel different in your body. So start with this and then adjust accordingly. Just like with the saying yoga, like my torso is going to be a different length and like be a different flexibility than yours. So if that's hard, let your arm come down your leg a little bit and soften in the curve and maybe turn that palm upwards and make it comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll be able to read your strain, which is true in anything. Mm-hmm. Like if you let yourself sink into it, you know, I was holding a baby yesterday and she was falling asleep. And I was trying to think of like, if I was the baby, how I'd want my, cause she was weirdly like laying on my forearms and I had her head in my hands oh. and that's how she wanted to be held. I could tell and her legs were like splayed out <laughs> over each of my arms, like towards my body. And I was trying to like position my hands perfectly to like support the back of her neck and the top of her head. And I was imagining if I were her head, like where the pressure point would feel the most supportive so that she could drop all the way in. and wouldn't have to hold an ounce of tension. And that's really like what I'm trying to do in my photo shoots. And is that how you want people to hold you? I think we all want that. Yeah, it's it's an attention to intuitively feeling into what someone else needs and how you can support. It's like, don't just hold me. Hold me in the way that's going to heal me. Mm-hmm. Hold me a little bit more than that. Mm. I was just visualizing you like sitting on your mom <laughs> and wondering like, what is her thought process Dorothy. here? She just kind of like laughs at me. I'm like, I have a very weird thing with my mom. Like, I love her so much. I mean, she annoys the shit out of me, but I love her so much. But do you think that's why you put so much effort into that with that baby? You didn't get that kind of attention to being held? Well, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, when people like earliest childhood memory, I'm like, the only one I can recall isn't actually organic because it's something I've watched on a video many times because it's a funny video. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's my sister's feeding me a can of extremely hot sauce when I was Jesus. like one and I ate the whole can of hot <gasps> sauce and my parents just filmed it. And I'm like, <sighs> I'm like sweating. Oh my Anna. God. And I'm that's like, <sighs> terrible. And I just keep eating it because they're feeding it to me and they're my sisters. And it is funny, but I'm struggling in the video. And that's my first memory because I've seen that video so many times and it's a funny story, mm-hmm. but I actually don't really have that many I wonder if it's something I could unlock, but I don't have that many like young, young childhood memories. So I don't know how my mom held me. Right. I don't even know if she formula breastfed me. I don't even know. That would be interesting. That would be interesting to know. I feel like maybe a mix, but yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's like my dad is a very pragmatic Virgo, like super non-emotional. So annoying. Virgos are really hard for me. And I've dated two of them and it's just never again. Like literally next time if I start crushing on someone and be like, are you a Virgo? 
walk away. No, if they're a Virgo <laughs> man, like it's never happening. Mm-hmm. I'm never doing that to myself again. It just doesn't work. Time is proven. But like, I, I don't know. Maybe I think I like forced myself upon my mom. I think I just kind of gave up on my dad receiving love from him at a young age. I was like, I'm not going to get love from you. So I'm just going to stop trying, mm. which is, I do think a big part of why I started drinking so much because it made me more comfortable. So I thought to like be myself, quote unquote, which I wasn't acting myself. I was acting like a drunk person to receive attention from men. Like I always, I was pretty promiscuous and I really needed to be told I was desired from a man. And I think that's why I thought I was totally straight for so long is because I wanted, I needed that validation from men in a way that I didn't need it from women. And it's because my dad like was also, he was like, he's, he can be mean Mm. to me. He's like kind of mean to me, but that's just, he doesn't know how to talk to me because I'm so different than him. Right. He just doesn't know. But like, I think with my mom, you know, like I was really into Gilmore Girls growing up. Love Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Loved Lorelai and Rory's banter. So much. Because that was the closest I craved was just someone who would let me fuck up and watch me do my thing. And my mom and I did banter. She had a stroke when I was in college. So a lot has shifted since then. But like we did used to banter a lot. But she's also, you know, has this like, like really religious background. So it was different. But we would watch that every Tuesday night. And I would give her, she would make me give her a head rub and a massage. So I was working on her body the whole time. Mm. So like we actually did exchange touch a lot because she would, if I wanted to watch TV, I had to give my mom a massage or a head rub. Pretty Smart much my mama. <laughs> whole fucking growing up. <laughs> so I'm actually really good mm-hmm. at giving massages. So it has actually really helped me as an adult. Yeah. That's really funny. But so there was a lot of touch being exchanged and I was mm-hmm. like cuddly with my mom, but never with my dad. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to ask you about is just this idea of building bridges. Yeah. And how you're doing that in your life and your work. Oh. Um, in my work, I think it's like the release of expectation because I come to a shoot, you know, with props and ideas and, but not letting that override what's actually happening and, and not having such a, um, a strong idea is great, but not having like such a tie, like a tether to the strong idea that I force it when it's not the direction that's asking to be taken Mm -hmm. so i would say that's because when you when you let it really unfold and you don't put pressure on like the expectation or achieving a certain image you've built in your mind then it allows you to be really with that person and creates a level of safety and comfort and um being held because you're being seen and the situation's being seen for what it is versus forced upon so i'd say that is how in my work And in my life, I think, you know, it's easy with people you get along with well to build a bridge, maintain a bridge, sweep the leaves off. It's easy. In those moments, it's most difficult in areas where you don't agree with someone or your energies, the alchemy is off. 
And that's okay. It's okay to not get along with everyone. That's great. Then mm-hmm. we know who we devote our energy and time to. It would be exhausting to give it to everyone. Yeah. But trying to just at least hear people and understand that their perspective and what they say has everything to do with their belief system and that and just to understand like how they got from a to b has everything to do with like what their universal yes is so that will at least allow me to see kind of like their rationale behind where they're at even if i don't agree Mm -hmm. yeah sitting in the listening and the compassion yeah and then you know not taking it personally, even though it can be like so really hard. hard. And I mean, I can get so mad and I'm obviously talking a bit about politics, like without saying that, but that is what I'm speaking to. And it can be, I mean, and I get really emotional about <laughs> politics. Um, but I think we have to start building bridges if we want things to change. Like we have to start seeing the ways in which we're similar and stop making divisions because we're less different than we think. And I think it's so important if we want to heal the planet and the way that we act upon it and towards one another, that it's important to see ourselves and everyone else. And so even if we've chosen different paths and ways to live, instead of focusing on the ways we're different, looking more far away, to bring us together. And I think that's really important. I think that's really important in politics. That's why I have such an issue with political parties. I don't think it makes sense as a structure. Mm-hmm. I think it's fundamentally flawed. But because it tells people pick a side. Right. It doesn't allow for gray area or connection. It doesn't allow for connection and and really of course people are going to agree and dif- disagree on different things, but it tells us it's us versus them versus this is where we agree this is where we disagree this is where we agree and i think people would agree on more things than they think if less walls were put up from the beginning i love that you know so good girl you're a special lady <laughs> let me tell you i'm so glad we did this i'm so glad thank you for so driving sweet. all the way here from ojai yeah, I mean, it was the perfect charge up. My friend's show was epic last night. Oh, good. It was so good. Like, and actually, this is great because then I just, you're on my way home. Well, perfect. But seriously, I love what you're doing. I love Thank your message. You so I love much. your energy and just, you're incredibly kind and thoughtful and just so magnetic. It was a joy to speak to you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.